Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the PFF forecast. We waited an extra day so that we could do two things. The first is record a podcast right after my national champion loss in the first round and have a better sense of uh, what free agency looked like, get um, a little bit more on the Rogers situation, which we will talk about here what the trade competition might look like and do winners and losers, both team and player contract and scheme fit. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the um, rumors or, or conversation around Bryce young being somehow involved with Carolina, what we understand about that situation. Um, and then close out with uh, not anything that I'm going to bet on March madness, but maybe these two guys, Seth and, and Brad have a little better of a, of a feel than I do. Let's rock. Just, I cannot emphasize this enough. College basketball is just such a complete shit show. My God. Oh, Watching God. your, you yeah, guys? the people are going to get a beautiful, unique opportunity to see George's bracket get busted in, in real time. Uh, I guess it won't be real time, but it'll be a little bit delayed. But, uh, you know, it's a fun product, a wild product. We already saw Furman after the uh, Zach Wilson-esque pass from Virginia over the middle. Uh, gets picked off, and uh, we had our first madness in the first first you know couple hours of the tournament. That's what that's what it's all about. I already disparaged golfers last week, so I'd rather not say my thoughts on college basketball out loud right now. Okay, that's, You're busy. that's probably that. my my thoughts on on uh, the Arizona Wildcats can also not be said on this podcast because uh, then we would not make it up onto. On the platform. Um, okay, that's that was the college basketball section uh, of the podcast. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So, I think the uh, the interesting question here is he's told everybody, um, but Adam Schefter, I guess he he wants to to go to the Jets. They've already signed half his friends, um, and so it, it's an interesting situation now. Where Brad, I'm curious, like. It seems to me that the Packers have some leverage here. Um, they obviously have not worked out a trade yet. What do you think or what do you know about the negotiation? Who do you think has the leverage? What do you think the deal looks like? Yeah, in the weirdest way, uh, they, they both have a lot of leverage and no leverage um, in, in that 
the Packers, of course, you know, can just say, okay, well, we're not going to trade him to you. And now, you know, you have no other option. Garoppolo is signed, all these things. You can just, you know, take a quarterback at 13 or sign some, you know, I don't even know who's left. Brissett signed, Minshew signed, Baker signed. Like, there's really no one left on the table. But from the Jets' perspective, they could also say, okay, well, you know, we know Aaron hates you guys now. He took a bunch of pot shots at you on the on the McAfee show saying you don't take care of your players. You're not honest and you're not transparent with them. And he came out of the darkness and doesn't want to play for you anymore, or you don't want him to play for you, but he's petty enough that maybe he just says, okay, I'll show up to OTAs to collect my $60 million check, but just half-ass the entire season and just make things complicated with Jordan Love and from a financial standpoint. So it's like both teams are kind of in this weird position. I think the Packers eventually are going to have to acquiesce. It sounds like they want maybe a first this year and a quality pick next year. I think more likely it's you you get one first round pick, whether it's this year or next year, and then and the other pick is kind of a throwaway. Like maybe you get a future, you know, 2024 fourth or something that could become a third or a second. If like if Rogers like wins the Super Bowl, you put all right, it, it becomes a second round pick, it becomes a first, and maybe the Jets like, all right, you know, that condition, if we win the Super Bowl, who cares what we give up to get Aaron Rodgers? So um, I think it still, of course, gets done. I think Rogers signing off was the bigger hold up than anything. We've gotten that. He's confirmed that to us. He saw the light. You know, he, he saw the jet symbol um, in, in the darkness. And uh, so we'll, we'll get there. I'm going to guess it's pick 13. And I'm going to say it's a conditional third in 2024. That becomes a second if they make the playoffs and a first if they make the AFC championship game, uh, win the AFC championship game. That's what I'll say. The uh, the wasn't the the story though that he only made it two days in the darkness. So did he ready to compete? Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. So he's just so but excited. Once about he saw the sign, you're mm-hmm. done. You can once he saw right. the jet in the in the air. It's like Constantine. Once he saw the cross, it was over. It's Christianity all the way down. It's over. <laughs> um, okay, so I it's interesting. You would assume the difference in the Jets' mind between the first this year and the first next year is 15 picks or so, right? Yes. Because it's 13 this year. You know, they probably think they're winning the Super Bowl next year. So that's like not an insignificant amount, you know, to, to haggle over. Um, I got to say, though, if I were the Packers, I would like to do everything I could to get this year's. No, I agree. I agree. I, you think you got to hold strong. You have to push for it because I do at the end of the day still think they have a little bit more power in this conversation than the Jets do. Um, you know, like is Rogers really going to just like cause headaches and be a problem just just because you don't trade him? I mean, maybe, but you know, I don't know. So I agree. You want to take the known commodity, the t- the 13th overall pick. I guess on the flip side, you could argue, look, yes, the Jets pick should be way better next year, but I don't know. Is the draft class viewed as much stronger next year versus mm-hmm. this year? Possibly um you know so so you know you can probably argue both ways but yeah i think pick 13 is probably the the prize by the way there are jets uh there's a jets section on the fanduel sportsbook app um i'll just i'll throw some at you here seth uh regular season wins they have it nine and a half over nine and a half minus 142 under plus 116 uh to make the playoffs minus 162 yes plus 132 no uh, Aaron Rodgers regular season passing yards over four thousand and a half uh, is the uh, over under regular season passing TDs uh, minus one twelve both sides twenty nine and a half 
Um, Garrett Wilson total receiving yards, 1150 and a half. I'm just going to go under right away because he's going to throw Al Lazard and uh, Randall Cobb all year. Um, but uh, kind of interesting. I mean, I guess the question that, that I would have for you, Seth, before we talk about the, the betting angle is how much you won back-to-back MVPs kind of stunk last year, uh, 76, 75 and a half PFF grade was supposedly injured. You think about um, you're a quarterback uh, whisperer. So how much did the injury play a part? Um, and do you think he's lost a step uh, or, or is he going to be able to rebound in, in New York? I think if I look, the injury thing is really interesting because did the injury affect him? Probably yes. Injuries are going to affect older players more than they affect younger players going forward. And I, and I say that with Drew Brees at the end. They're like, oh, well, at the end of his last year, he was injured, had the ribs. Okay, but there's a reason why he couldn't he couldn't return after all these injuries because mm-hmm. he was 40. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40. Or, uh, you know, he's 39. He's going to be 40 at some point. I don't know when his birthday is. So that, to me, is super concerning. Now, obviously, if I'm the Jets, you do this trade, even at, even take, giving them pick 13. Honestly, I might even give them two first-round picks. If you're assuming it's pick 13 and pick, like, 28 or something, you do it. Mm-hmm. I, I I think you just have to give yourselves a chance. You're the Jets, right? Like, you're the Jets. Yeah. But, yeah, I think there's, there's more uh, – there's so much um, uh, ammo – when you want to point out reasons why this is not going to be the Rogers that is going to be a hall of famer, like it could be over. He wasn't good this year. There's no guarantee you bounce back at 39 years old. There just is no guarantee that his playmaking wasn't, I guess what it was the past two years. I think that's something that really might not come back. So now you're taking away Devonta Adams, AKA, a true tier one wide receiver. Gary Wilson had a great rookie year. Nope. I for sure. But is he going to be Devonta Adams? I don't let's pump the brakes a bit. Mm -hmm. And you're taking away the playmaking. What's left here, right? What's left here. So still a lot of good, not saying it's all bad, but every year you go forward without these type of players around him and traits that he has, it gets worse and worse. So I would probably bet on, him not being as good as they want him to be. But like I said, I think you do this trade, you know, 10 times out of 10, if you're the jets, I will say on that point, like the, you're the jets point, um, which is fair, always fair to, to just kind of point that out real quick. But I think an interesting thing for me is we talk a ton about the rookie contract window for the quarterback and how you can load up around it and spend all these things around it. I think we are getting to a point where in today's NFL, where movement is more likely if you have a awesome and look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they bring in Tom Brady, if you have a bunch of super good players on value contracts at other positions, again, not defense, don't go all in if you have, a, you know, but like stable, you have receivers, some defense because their defense is nasty, um, you know, and, and other positions say we're also wasting this roster with a bunch of really good surplus value players by not bringing in a quarterback. Let's go out and explore those moves. Try to get that done. You know, a Stafford for golf swap. I know Stafford, you know, wasn't perfect last year, but were you wasting that roster if you didn't go do something like that? Um, I think we maybe see more of that. Or it's like, hey, if there's a veteran out there, if there's a guy that you can get like a Rodgers in this, you know, it's kind of a unique scenario, but there's probably always going to be some type of player in this realm, um, you know, maybe looking to make a move in today's NFL. I think you can kind of argue, yeah, like 
you have Quinn and Sauce, Garrett Wilson, like all these guys. Like, don't don't blow that either. I, I agree with you, and it's interesting. I we talked about this. Um, I, I can't remember which week it was where Rogers got hurt, and that Sunday night, I was like, "This is it." You know, he should he he's going to the Jets. Like, this is where you know he should. Back. I think I actually did say the Jets. Someone could check the tape on that. Um, but you you if you don't make this move, it's, it's interesting. Like. Their options, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, are what? <laughs> like that's why I think the Packers really have a lot of um, a lot of leverage here because it's like, hey, look, we're rebuilding. It's Jordan Love, it's Christian Watson. Who knows if those players are even here? You know, three years from now, we might rebuild again. Like, who knows? The Jets, if they don't hit here, are taking defensive rookie of the year, offensive. You know, could have been offensive rookie of the year. Um, great young players that you've mentioned as well. And, um, and and building around them with absolutely nothing. There's no one else out there. You know, Derek, Derek Carr isn't even a consolation prize. Jimmy G isn't a consolation prize. So, like, they have no options. What are they going to do? Draft Tanner McKee? So, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think they have some, some leverage there. Here, here are the odds right now for the AFC East. Buffalo Bills, plus 125. New York Jets, plus 230. Miami Dolphins, plus 370. And the England Patriots. New England Patriots, who we're going to talk about free agency here, have just done an incredible job assembling league average at every single position, <laughs> are seven to one. Um, I will start here and say that I kind of like the Dolphins at plus 370. They go pick up Jalen Ramsey. Um, your point about Devontae Adams, you know, not being there, Garrett Wilson, very good, but uh, the Dolphins have a ton of talent. So I don't know, Brad, what do you think about those odds? I think the Dolphins have quietly had a phenomenal offseason even beyond, um, you know, trading for Jalen Ramsey. I think getting David Long on a two-year $11 million deal is a great value add for them. I like bringing Deshaun Elliott on a one-year flyer, like just giving Vic Fangio so much, um, you know, weaponry to use on that defense. And then, yeah, you have all those all those weapons on offense. You got Mike White in case things go bad with two attack of Iloa. Um, I'm half kidding there, but I think it was important to get a, a decent backup, a guy that you can trust to win you two or three games if you do need to go that route. Um, I think they are the bet. They're very interesting to me. You are betting on Tua Tagovailoa staying healthy, but if he does, like I really do think they are a good bet here. And then, yeah, the Patriots have the most mid roster. Like their entire roster is just mid from top to bottom. It's honestly <laughs> impressive. Well, I, I think they'll the, always have that free agency banner though to hang. Remember that the Judon sure. free agency with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. They'll always have that moment. Probably the best. Is that the best moment in Patriots history? That offseason, I, I think so. it might be. We'll, we'll debate I, later. Seth. I re- tried to wrap my brain. I tried to like galaxy brain why Johnny Smith wasn't getting any snaps that first year. Like <laughs> by week like three, I was like, okay, well, no, it's because against certain teams they like to play with two tight ends, but against these type of teams they only play one tight end. And I was like, oh no, he just they don't like this guy. <laughs> like that's what it comes <laughs> down to. Um, I, I think with the AFC East, you're it's it's a classic. Are you betting on the best roster regardless of position, top to bottom? That would be the Dolphins over the Bills. Or are you betting on the freak at quarterback, right? And that's so like like the value is obviously on the on the Dolphins in that case, um, but it, Bills are a fascinating team going into the draft and and going into next season to see how they if they can make a real roster to surround uh, Josh Allen. What do you think about Deontay Hardy going to Buffalo? Obviously a Saints guy. But what do you think about that that move and Connor McGovern's basically all they did, which they don't have a lot of money to do things. But what do, what do you think about that move? 
Yeah, I know. I, I, I've like thought McGovern was like a pretty solid player. So like that's good. Hardy's a cool player. You know, I, does it add so much from an offensive perspective? Probably it. I don't know how much these type of players move the needle. Like, I think he's great. Like, I, I loved having him on the Saints. It was fun to watch. I don't know how much these type of players move the needle. He's a good on special teams, so I'll, I will give him that. So I think – and, and I, they needed a speed. You, you didn't need that type of player on your team. So I think it's a good look. I just don't know how much it, it, that does it change how I feel about, you know, betting on them or anything. Not not really. Yeah. It, it is interesting. And let's uh, make that transition into winners and losers. By the way, if you, like me, um, do not spend your entire day obsessing over news in the NFL like Brad and Seth do. And you're trying to figure out what the hell happened during free agency. Um, I, we have a website for you. Uh, it's called pff.com. You go check it out. Um, there is so much easy to quickly consume content there. You can sound like you've been following this uh, the whole time through. I Guys, I was on a radio show because there's some radio uh, places that haven't figured out that I don't have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, and I went on there the other night and, uh, you know, they're asking me questions about, uh, you know, the, the signings and legitimately sounded like a, you know, a poet on there just because I had Brad's analysis uh, on free agency. Team by team grades are out. Um, so you can see all of both signings, uh, players that they've lost, additions and subtractions. Um, and uh, so then uh, it's a fantastic resource. Go get your PFF subscription. You get 20% off with the promo code forecast, F-R-E-C-A-S-T, uh, both on the app and on pff.com. Okay, um, let's let's do some uh, some winners and then we'll go to losers. So maybe we do a couple each here. I'll start with, uh, start with you, Brad, a team winner. Yeah, team winner for me would be the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I think they've made three very good moves with none of them being massive splashes, but addressing probably their biggest weakness and weaknesses on defense. And that is first getting Dalvin Tomlinson in there. The, you know, used to be a nose tackle in New York, played more three tech in Minnesota, but a guy you can move around. I think a guy Jim Schwartz will use in a lot of different ways and be very effective with a very good run defender. If that's what you want him to be. And they were 31st among interior defenders last year in run defense grade. And I think just dead last in overall grade among that position group or maybe Chicago. But so a very, very bad unit becomes a pretty good one with that addition there. And then my favorite, like under the radar signing, maybe the entire offseason is Ogbo Wakaranko, the edge rusher, who was great this past year in Houston. They get him for a three-year, $19 million deal. One of those, I think, signings that, you know, kind of no one really talks about. And then he has seven, eight sacks next year and looks phenomenal. Um, And last but not least, getting safety Juan Thornhill in there. They cut John Johnson. You bring in Thornhill from the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, three moves where none of them even signed for $15 million a year. But I think you dramatically improve your biggest weakness, keep your center Nathan Pochich, um, and, and you don't lose much. I think they just they, they did exactly what they needed to do. Uh, and I think they are, you know, it's a, it's a tough division, but I think they did what they needed to do to get back in the mix. Yeah, um, I think they're I think the issue is still gonna be run defense there. Like that's they gotta do something there. They gotta do something to stop the run on the interior. And um all those guys are gonna look great. Thornhill, Okrawanko are gonna look great on paper, but if they can't stop the run up the middle, then they're you know, this defense is not very good. Yeah. Um Seth, a, a winner from you. I know, I know that so goes this against is, your, your religion, but try yeah, for us. Th- this is uh, the cl- a, a classic winner that's actually not going to end up being very good. 
and that's the mm -hmm. Atlanta Falcons. This is the is to me it's the classic like oh well they have so much cap space and they go out and they sign a bunch of people and they resign some good players and you're like oh I, I like that guy I like that guy I like that guy I like that guy and then it's like well they also like are gonna start uh, you know a fourth round pick a quarterback next year and it's not gonna look good right that's that's how this whole thing ends uh, but yeah I mean if Desmond Ritter is and I really liked him coming out of the draft but like let's be honest he was a you know whatever he was third or fourth round pick looked okay in the four games he played but john smith we just talked about him you're hoping that he can refine whatever he did with um arthur smith when they were together in tennessee helps him be a little more versatile we'll see that's what we said about the patriots on love him you know 30 years old so i don't know if he still has that same juice but when he when he's been on you know in the past for the saints Outstanding pass rusher and run defender. Jesse Bates, we knew that he was always going to be a, a, a sought-after free agent. Um, helps him at safety. Caden Ellis, one of the more underrated linebackers, came in, replaced Pete Warner when he was injured for the Saints, had a great season. Um, and then you had Heineke, who gives you that playmaking ability once every three games. That's great. And then, and like I said, the re-signings were pretty good with Lindstrom and um and McGarry, and you know, this was a really good offensive line last year. Lindstrom having this an incredible breakout season. So, like I said, it's like I love all these names. I love spending the money you have it. It's just they're gonna finish like you know five and thirteen or something. <laughs> it's important <laughs> to spend that money now because um, you know you're, you're, you gotta you gotta give yourself something to be proud of when you're three and uh, and fourteen. Um, okay, I have a winner. Um, that I'm, I want to get out of the way now because I don't think there'll be a winner by the time the offseason is done. This is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so I think great job. You gotten rid of Zeke. You didn't pay Tony Pollard a ton of money. You franchise tagged him. I, I love what they did with Stephon Gilmore. Um, I think that building coverage that has got no weak points is, is a fantastic way to go. Um, and in an NFC where... You know, God, the teams are only being worse. So, um, you know, Rogers going from from NFC to AFC. So, I really like what they're they're doing there. Um, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch, they they resigned him. I don't think that's a significant move, um, really, in either direction. But um, I think that this is setting up for them to just take Bijan Robinson. <laughs> so, uh, in the first round, which I think Bijan Robinson is going to be amazing. He's going to be fantastic. Uh, I think that's they're probably going to overpay quite a bit for him. Um, but that's what, uh, what it is, but I like what they've done so far. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to say that now because at some point I will hate on, on the Cowboys. It's just the way the script is written guys. I don't make the rules. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I, I could see it. I'm definitely not going to go against it. I mean, I think you do see the market running back has just been dramatic. It's like, there's been a massive reset and, and teams are just not spending there. And I wonder if we do see it also in the draft or if it's more just a, We'll still draft guys early. We just don't want to, you know, pay on the second contract. Um, but yeah, the odds he the odds he's a, he's a he's a Dallas Cowboy have certainly gone up in the last couple of days. It's plus five fifty. The two favorites to draft Bijan Robinson, and, and the reason Arjun isn't here is because he's trying to control his emotions. The Dallas Cowboys plus five fifty, and the Los Angeles Chargers also plus five fifty. The Commanders six to one. The Falcons nine to one. That's the Falcons are running back away, guys. Uh, the Buffalo Bills twelve to one, and, and the Bengals uh, also twelve to one, which is uh, fantastic stuff. Okay, Brad, uh, do you have any other winners? Uh, yeah, a couple of the winners. So you know, I think just real quick, Cincinnati getting you know uh, Orlando Brown for four years, sixty four million dollars. 
Um, you know, you throw in the franchise tag from last year, and it's basically five years, eighty million for Orlando Brown when he could have had five ninety-five from Kansas City's extension last year. So he kind of misplayed that a little bit. Um, but Cincinnati capitalizes, jumps in, steals a you know a good, maybe it's not great, but a very very good left tackle from the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I would definitely think they are a winner. Another big one for me though, the Detroit Lions, and I know they're hashtag our Lions. We give them a lot of praise, but. I think they've been winning in ways they did not in the past. You know, we probably used to talk about them as winners in March when they would probably overspend and make a bunch of dumb moves. Instead, it was very small or mid-tier calculated decisions. But to get Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley at, at corner, I think Mosley will be healthy. Your old pal in San Fran should be healthy by week one. Got hurt, I think, in week six. So it, it's been a long time now. Um, and then just solidify Cam Sutton inside-outside versatility, maybe play some nickel. Um, when they're in nickel, maybe goes outside and base. I don't know what they're going to do there with Jeff Akuda, but nevertheless, um, just fix again, fix your biggest weakness, which was their secondary, their outside corners in particular, um, without going crazy. And then some smaller moves too. You bring back John Kaminsky, do some other things. So um, I think they've had a great offseason and they're, you know, two top 20 picks, all that is still up on the table, uh, but make an impactful additions without going crazy. That's what they did. Both guys, I, the Lions were the team, the other winner that I had. Um, and, both corners who had over 70 PFF grades last year, to your point. But here's the takeaway that I have from that. We all kind of mocked, everyone's mocking corner to them. What this signals to me is we don't see corner as the only, you know, that's not the only place we can go get corner. We can get corner in free agency. So I think it opens up as we look at some of the team to draft uh, or, or this team will draft this position. I think it's something to watch out for. And, and uh, you know, I think quarterback's still in play there. Um, Seth, go ahead. I, I I can't really put my finger on whether I love them so much, but I, I'll talk about the Bears because I think they're doing kind of the right things. Like you add DJ Moore, like you trade back, great. Um, getting a player involved in the trade back, I think it's great. Getting a player that really fits what you need going forward in DJ Moore, it's great. Travis Homer is actually a really good pass protecting running back, probably one of the more underrated in that sense in the league. So that that's going to help Justin Fields. Nate Davis, a good player. You want to beef up the offensive line, all these little things. The two linebackers in a vacuum, I think getting Tremaine Edwards, I know they paid a lot of money for him, but getting Tremaine Edwards and TJ Edwards, good. Two, two good linebackers, no problem with that. I, I think when you look at it in the context of, well, you just gave, you had a great linebacker. Like you're, you're getting two potentially good linebackers as opposed to you had a great linebacker and you paid Tremaine Edmonds close to what Roquan Smith is, get, is getting paid now. So that's where it's like the issue. But I think, like I said, in a vacuum, look, it's it's two good players to fit on a defense that you need pretty much every position, right? So so I I do like the what the Bears have done. Yeah, yeah it's a good call. Um one that I would give honorable uh, mention to, I like what the Chiefs did. Um, they could have, I think, easily uh, felt pot committed on Orlando Brown. They did not. So good job by them. And then they go and they get Jawan Taylor, who is just 25 years old um, and was really good last year. He was a top 15 uh, pass protector. I think you make the argument, um, and I would make the argument, I'd rather have him than Orlando Brown. So... Um, good job by them. Um, they they kept, um, uh, sorry, they also went out and got Charles Menehue, who uh, played with Sam Fran last year and was, was very solid. So not a ton of moves there, 
Um, they lose Juan Thornhill. They, they also, I should add, lost Frank Clark, which I don't think is that big of a loss. Um, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster got overpaid by New England. So I, I like what the Kansas City Chiefs um, have done as much as that pains me. Um, good, all credit goes to, to the doctor, the good doctor, Eric Eager. Um, Brad, losers. Yeah, uh, for me, I think the biggest one that jumps out is Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I mean, you you basically pay Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit less in cash, but you give him the same guarantees that Derek Carr already had. Um, it, it's a lateral move at best. I know he's your guy, but he's as good as Derek Carr, I think. And, 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 you know, just cannot finish a season healthy. You then, if you do that, it's like, all right, then load up, get him a bunch of weapons and see if you can try to, you know, keep up with his arms race with Kansas City. Oh, never mind. We're going to trade Darren Waller. For pick 100 to the New York Giants. Um, I like Jacoby Myers, but now you have Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, and Devontae Adams. So, you know, Myers can play outside. He can be your Z, but he's, you know, played two-thirds of, of snaps in the slot in the past. Renfro has played 90% of snaps, like 80-plus percent. Um, so, you know, kind of a weird big splash to to bring in a, another slot receiver. I like Marcus Epps, the safety in a vacuum. I think he fits well opposite Javon Mayrig. You do different things there with those guys, but your defense is still going to be Cheeks. I just you spent a bunch. Like I, I tried to say, I really thought Josh McDaniels was going to figure it out this time around. I thought he learned from his first go around in Denver. There's a guy, shout out this guy, I don't know his name, who comments every time I say something about Josh McDaniels, he comments, "How's that going? How, like how you thought it was going to work well this year? How's that going? Uh, it's not going well, my friend. Whoever that guy is, who I think has notifications set for at PFF Brad says McDaniels. Uh, <laughs> it's not going well at all. Uh, I, I don't like their off season. <laughs> I think they're going to win seven games and spend a bunch of money to do so. Uh, you hate to see that, but we will not have any slander of Jimmy Garoppolo on this here podcast. Um, he's going to be better than Derek Carr next year. Okay. Uh, Seth. <laughs> well, I- I'm going to go with the Packers and I know it's not like their fault per se, like as like a front office, but the whole situation has led them to not knowing what's going on with their roster and they haven't done anything. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's not like this was a great roster last year and you feel like, okay, well, you know, it's, we're good enough. And if love plays okay, then we're, no, I think they they would have liked to do stuff if they had that, um, the money available from, you know, not having, you know, the Rogers contract there anymore and all that stuff. So it's just not been a great start. Obviously they have some clarity now, but with that said, you would have liked them to be in on some guys and they have done nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point. And usually I take the stance that, you know, doing uh, not a lot in free agency is fine. Right. But most teams don't have 60 mil going out the, the door, but they're in a tough position. And Brad, I was going to ask you this, like what could they do? Because technically they have Rogers on the books so would they have been able to do much in free agency before a trade? Would that have forced their hand? How does that work? Because I agree, it's kind of a, that's maybe the un, the hidden part of this Rodgers thing is like the Packers roster stinks. Yeah, they are a bit hamstrung in what they can do while he's still on the books, which is, I guess, interesting because it kind of sounds like they're the ones that are hamstringing themselves. Mm-hmm. But they're also, look, Green Bay does not spend in free agency, never have, probably never will. They occasionally make a, a small move here and there, or, you know, they went out and got Preston Smith and, and Zadarius Smith a couple years ago. But 
realistically them and the Steelers, like I, I do charts on spending and free agency and they're, they're off the chart outliers of not doing anything. Um, so I'm not super surprised by it, but I agree. Like they, they just, their roster is not very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but again, it, you stick to the process and I think the process is sound. I just wonder if they would have acted a little bit different. This is a unique situation. They've had to your, to the point, most of those seasons, they've had a quarterback that they feel very confident in, who is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, who they're paying a ton of money. So that does dictate your your move to some extent. Uh, a team, my my first uh, loser here, a team that does not have that um, is the New England Patriots. Uh, we just mentioned them. I don't really get the juju thing. I just don't. Um, I don't get the, I mean, I like James Robinson. I like Riley Reef. Um, the juju one to me, like, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't know what you're doing there. Like, you let Jacoby Myers go. He's probably better than Juju anyways. I just, I don't know. So um, it wasn't as if they went out and spent way too much money on, you know, good to decent players as they did a couple of years ago. But they still have a little bit of that going on. I, I just, I don't know, man. It's a weird place to be for the Patriots. And I just don't think the team's going to be very good. Yet somehow will be good enough to be like the best fourth place team uh, in the NFL, which is probably not a great place to be. Um, uh, Brad, any other uh, losers to mention? Uh, you know, who else can we pick on here? Uh, I mean, I think Arizona's trying to be bad, so like, I would almost call them like a loser, but it's probably a good thing they're a loser. The, the Arizona Wildcats or the, the Cardinals? <laughs> Your Arizona Wildcats. No, but also, yeah, the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals, they had Kaiser Whiting. It's a good move. Reunion with Jonathan Gannon. I don't know who is going to be playing in front of him on the defensive line. I like, I, I off the top of my head, like Cam Thomas, the third runner from last year. Like, I, I don't even know who my Jay Sanders, I think, is on the team. I don't even know uh, who their defensive line is right now. But I think it's kind of by design. You're just going to stay bad and, and figure things out long term. But so you can call them a loser. I think the Ravens, I, I mean, they have, I think they're one of the only teams, not the only team that I, has not actually added a player yet. Um, you know, talk about being hamstrung that the franchise tag with Lamar obviously does not help with that big stamp on your books for $32.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, they cut Clayus Campbell, who, yeah, maybe was making too much, but is a, a productive and solid veteran at this point. They're just, you know, they, they haven't done anything. Yeah. Another team kind of trying to figure out the quarterback situation. Uh, Seth, any others from you? Well, I, I'll just talk about the Titans just because they're an interesting place where they've just swapped out players kind of kind of like for like you're losing a good player in in David Long who honestly is could be like a top 10 linebacker I think he's mm. ascending in that it, 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 you know down that path but you replace him with so I'm like hey that's not good but then you replace him with Aziz Al-Shair who is I'm telling you, he's a really, really good linebacker who's going to explode this year, getting the snaps that he um, that he wasn't getting as a third linebacker in in San Francisco. It's like, hey, well, you lose Nate Davis, but you bring, bring in Daniel Brunskill. That's, you know, probably Nate Davis is a little better, but like, you know, it's like life for like, you know. So it's like this type of weird situation where you brought in Arden Key, but you lost Bud Dupree. Like, it's just this like life for life. <laughs> where it's like, where where are you going? And probably not very far, to be honest. Um, but at least they haven't like, like, it's like a net zero, I guess. Can I real quick, I know he hasn't played a ton. Like they, they lose Nate Davis, who you talked about earlier for the bears and then gave Andre Dillard basically the same I, contract. I okay. You don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. If tell you <laughs> yeah. I just like, I get that he like could play tackle in theory. I get their offensive line is maybe the worst offensive line in the NFL. So you have to do something, but 
I, I get he has the first round, round pedigree and all those things. And, you know, was stuck behind probably the best offensive line in football. But I was just like, is there something maybe Seth, you know, oh, it's a great, it's, it's buying low or, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's the, yeah, it's a buy low first round pedigree type of situation. You know, those, uh, those always I work guess. out. Yeah. Those yeah always work always out. <laughs> um, okay. Let's do this. I think this will be cool. Cool. Um, I, what I want you, uh, we're going to do some winners from the, uh, the player side of things. And so these are start with you, Brad players who you think won and what you, I think you're in a great position to do this because you projected everyone through the exercise of projecting out the contracts for all these players. So which players, uh, won the most, and then we'll go to you, Seth, and you'll go from kind of the scheme perspective, which players won the most in terms of putting themselves in a position to have great seasons. Yeah. So, you know, I think Javon Hargrave, look, phenomenal player, but at 30 years old, getting four years, $84 million with 40 million in guarantees um, from the Niners is a great deal for him. Capitalizes on this market explosion at interior defensive line. And I think Draymond Jones and Zach Allen also fit that bill for Draymond Jones to get Mm -hmm. over $17 million a year and for Zach Allen to get over $15 million a year. Look, they're good players. And yes, it's free agency. So teams overpay, but I mean, just really, really big paydays. Um, One more I'll throw in there and another, you know, Seth connection, but Caden Ellis, who like after the signing, I literally went and watched, I think his entire NFL career because it's a very small career, but um, played 600 snaps last year after playing like 150 total before that. Um, is a very good like tweener backer can can rush the passer can go back in coverage and is not a liability by any means but three years 21 million and like I said he played 600 snaps last year after playing like 150 total um you know very good cash for him um so that those guys all did very well I'll, I'll add with with um Javon Hargrave who like a great super well really good player going to be interesting because i think that the when we talk about the scheme fit now for sure the 49ers needed another defensive tackle because that was we saw it in the nfc championship game and we saw it teams are just picking on on kinlaw basically and whoever else was playing um that position hargrave does not remind me about john kinlaw please (laughs) so you you get an upgrade there but it's like well my only concern is like where do you play i think you have neither him nor Eric Armstead are like an interior in terms of the one technique, like playing on the center type of player or inside the guard and more of outside the guard players. I think probably you can move guys around and you kind of have to be in today's NFL just based on how teams set their formation and things of that nature. So, I, so I do think it is overall a good idea. I just wonder if they're like, Oh my God, we're all of a sudden we're really light in the middle because we don't have a true like nose tackle type player. That would be my one concern, but I do think it's a, I mean, it's a great deal for him and, and it, and it does address a, a quote unquote need for, uh, for the 49ers. I'll, I'll add also, I know we, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but how can you not say like great deal for the player with Daniel Jones? Cause he's not a good football player and he's getting paid a lot of money. I'd say that's yeah. a pretty good deal for the, for the player. It's a good deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. Uh, can I ask you about this one, Seth? Because to me, it makes a ton of sense. And that is Jalen Ramsey in uh, in in Miami over there. And like with that defense and what Fangio would do and like Howard on the other side, like to I I think we're overlooking Ramsey a bit. I th- still think he's 
one of the, if not the best corner uh, backs in the entire league. And like to get that, to get some of the, you know, the deal figured out there from a money perspective. Um, But I I just think the fit there is going to be fantastic. I'm super curious about if I'm not mistaken, they listed him as a safety, like officially on the, like the trade call or, or something like that. That's super interesting. I think we all assume that eventually Ramsey would make his way to safety because he's just such a good player. And eventually he wouldn't, he would, he would have that kind of Charles Woodson career where, okay, the legs weren't there anymore eventually, but he's such a smart, instinctive player that you can move him to safety and, and, and he'd have a good end of his career, but he's still, he's not, he's not 38. You know what I mean? So I'm very curious to see if they, if they still do put him on the outside. I think that's still probably the best. And I also believe that, like I'm just, you know, using body language here. So like, I, I'm not a psychologist. All right, people. But I Wait. think, I, look, look, I know you thought I am not a psychologist. However, I think that he was kind of checked out. And then and like, why not? Right. The team was horrible. It was not, you know, they just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The team ends, ends up being terrible. Yeah. Can't do anything on offense. Can't do anything on defense. Felt like he was a little checked out. Felt like he was guessing a lot on defense. I think in, an invested Jalen Ramsey is still is has a chance to be that same Jalen Ramsey we've seen. And then like yeah, that's this is a huge pick. And like I said, even adding David Long, a guy who knows how to play, um, really good zone defender, really good run defender, but really good in zone, which they're going to switch to with Fangio there. You know, that's a big mm-hmm. switch for them going for all that all, going from all that man coverage to this Fangio zone stuff. So. Uh, I think those are two really, really good and important players for them. Yeah, everyone wants to talk about Trayvon Diggs and Spawn Gilmore being like the best, you know, cornerback duo, and you got the Eagles cornerback duo and all that. I will take the Dolphins cornerback duo. I think those dudes are really good. And and we should not forget from a safety perspective, by the way, uh Javon Holland on the back end there, who has been one of the better young defensive players um that we've seen. Uh, uh another plug for the PFF NFL draft guide, which um, the only reason I knew Javon Holland was going to be good is because I read that thing. Um, and uh, so you should go get yourself. The new version, version two, just came out on Monday. Bunch of new uh, advanced data in there, grades across different facets for players, as well as combine data. You can get it on pff.com um, and then go click on draft and draft guide and get your copy right now. Um, okay, so let's let's close out here with a few things. Um there's a little report by Adam Schefter. He's maybe a little frazzled. Uh, he retweeted Brad last night. Um, so that points to the frazzledness. Aaron Rodgers told yeah. him to lose his number in the darkness. Uh, and so now he's coming on uh, NFL Live. And the quote is, I think Bryce Young is to the Panthers what Mac Jones was to the 49ers when they traded up. There's a lot of different ways to interpret this, but I think, Brad, you hit the nail on the head. So what do you make of this statement uh, about the Panthers. Yeah, how, how I view it is, I think that it is legitimate when it comes out that Carolina would trade down. I don't think they actually will, but that they would trade down, that they don't have a one target in mind that they've fallen in love with, that they must have, and it's more of a, we are now comfortable with one of these guys. And the Bryce Young, Mac Jones specifically is, if no one wows us from now until then, if we don't go to a pro day and see a Zach Wilson crossbody throw that just makes us, you know, shiver up our spines, and we'll just take Bryce Young and just play it safe, and he's a good high floor prospect. But 
if a CJ Stroud, for example, or if an Anthony Richardson is great on the whiteboard and, and has a good pro day and and all these things, then we, we are comfortable going that route as well. Um, I think it's true. I think it makes sense. It's, it, I think the buzz is real that they have not identified one particular player as of today. Um, I said last podcast, I now have bets on both guys at plus 300, but I still would think that they go CJ Stroud. I think it will be CJ Stroud, but you know, I also don't hate the strategy. Just talking from Carolina, you know, people might say, Oh, it's so dumb. Why would you go all the way to number one? If you don't have a single target in mind, I get that. But you know, Arizona maybe kind of was playing hardball and, and overplayed their hand a little bit. And so Carolina just said, okay, we'll just, we'll just control this entire draft. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't hate the strategy, even if, you know, I get why people might think it's a little bit weird. So do you think that they'd be amenable to actually trading down? I still can't understand how you go all the way up to one. You give up, they give up a lot for number one. And I think that I would really have, if they got a good deal for number one, I could see it, but they give up a ton for number one. And, uh, you know, you could have just tanked and and maybe legitimately got to, to one next year. It's hard in that division, but, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, do you think they could really actually trade down now? Here's what I'm what I'm thinking. I may have already said this, but it's basically to me, it's okay, Houston, we're gonna talk to Indy and try our hardest to get Indianapolis to trade up with us and jump ahead of you. And we think they're gonna take Bryce Young. And I know I sort of hinted at it. Uh, I think someone, I think Lance Zerline said the quiet part out loud about the entire agent agent pairing of CJ Stroud and how maybe the Texans do not want to take him uh for those reasons. Um, so I think that's what it is. Basically, hey, there's a team in your division, Houston, that's sitting at four that didn't want to trade with Chicago. Maybe we'll give them a little bit of a better deal. Um, if you don't come up with us to take Bryce Young number one overall, you might get jumped. And then we know you're not going to take CJ or we think you're not going to take CJ. And then we can get one of Stroud or Richardson at four. Maybe go back up to three and just really get crazy and just make a million trades. I just don't think it's actually going to work. I think at the end of the day, they'll stay. But I think it's a worthwhile exercise to try to get Houston to panic um, and just get something in return and maybe still get your guy anyway. Seth, you are the uh, quarterback coach, GM, head coach, whatever it is, of a terrible franchise. You have an opportunity to draft one quarterback in this class. Who is it? And would you uh, rather have a quarterback in the next class? And if so, who would those be? No, I, I think I would stick with Bryce Young. And I think it's just, if you're drafting at this position, like a lot of guys fail at this position. Most guys fail in general when they get to the professional level, level in whatever sport. So I think you just got to go kind of balls to the wall and and take the guy who I, I believe, and I think a lot of other people too believe is probably one of the smarter uh, playmaking type of prospects we've seen in a long time. And that's that's Bryce Young. I, I don't see like I I get the, I get the issues. I'm not saying like um, he's not you know what is, what is he five six you know one twenty five or whatever mm-hmm. he weighed in at. But like I, and I get that. And we haven't seen a quarterback that small you know survive in the NFL. I get it. But it's like well other guys don't survive. You know the, the Packs and Lynches don't survive either. So like let, let's go out and get this guy. Let's go all out for him and let's take Bryce Young. I still think that to me he projects uh, based on his on the field stuff as like the best quarterback. I do love Caleb Williams coming out next year, but I'd still take Bryce Young over him right now. Wow. By the way, right now on FanDuel, CJ Stroud minus 220. Bryce Young is plus 250. So you've uh, 
You've done nicely, Brad, to have three to one for both those guys. Anthony Richardson is plus 350. I, my belief, and, and Will Levis is 30 to one. My belief, and I think the Will Levis 30 to one signals this a bit. I think the teams right now are looking and going, you know what? Let's not talk these guys up more than we need to. Like, let's just wait. The guys next year are awesome. Um, we don't need to overspend um, this year. Um, by the way, Jalen Carter is still actually listed here. Um, I, shocking to me after seeing his uh, his pro day. Like, I think, Brad, if we put you in the, the defensive line drill there, you'd have more agility than Jalen Carter. We looked about the same with our shirts off, but I think I would have gotten <laughs> through the bags with a little bit more finesse. Uh, you know, my my yeah. my, uh, my lateral agility. I will say though, uh, his legal situation seems to be done. He entered a no play, uh, no contest to the charges, which basically is usually signals like he made an agreement with the prosecutors, and they probably will put it all to bed. Um, but yeah, now the bigger issue is, you know, the reports that he didn't even finish the positional drills, um, did not do any of the testing, um, and, you know, looked like me after, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Ruby's steak with his, uh, with his, with his, with his tarp off. So, you know, as I say, he just ate the prosecution. <laughs> I wonder, uh, I might be galaxy braining this, but I wonder if the Seahawks, um, signing two interior defensive players was kind of a signal saying like, Hey, w- it's not going to be Jalen Carter. Like now you could still draft Jalen Carter because, you know, if he is that type of player, a top five player, then he just gets on the field, whatever. But, you know, them going out and getting Draymond uh, Jones and, uh, you know, kind of bringing back Jan Reed, who they used to have, uh, used to be mm-hmm. a Seahawk, maybe signals that it's, you know, if they stay there, they don't take a quarterback, then it, it would be Will Anderson, you know, or maybe, you know, Tyree Smith mm-hmm. or Tyree Wilson or something like that. I think it's a good point. I think it's a good point. He's still five to one to be the first defensive player uh, selected, um, but man, that was uh, that was not impressive. Um, I wonder. I don't know. I don't see the first defensive. I guess they probably won't do defensive tackle. It'd be defensive line, and they'd probably include Anderson and Wilson. Um, but I was wondering if you could get some value on Kalijah uh, to go ahead of him um, would be would be interesting. Um, by the way, Brad, what was your order at Jeff Ruby's? What'd you go with? Oh, I went with the, uh, I go, I forget what the, the name is, but I'm a big bone in guy. If you're not getting a bone in steak, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, it was, it was a ribeye. A nice bone in ribeye. Yeah, the cowboy. It, Thank you. Say it again. The cowboy. Yeah. Probably the cowboy. That sounds right. There sounds we right. go. Yeah. Oh my guy. Yeah. The cowboy is the way to go. I, if, yeah, if you're not going bone in at a steakhouse, like what are you doing? I will say this too. This might offend some people. If you're not getting, if you're going to a nice steakhouse, look. If you're going to Outback, do whatever you want. Maybe just don't go to Outback. But just don't go to Outback. Yeah, just don't go to Outback. If you're ordering, if you're ordering medium or above at a nice steakhouse, I, I'm, I'm judging you a little. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm judging you a little. Like again, again, if it's, if it's a cheaper place, do whatever you want. But you want a nice rare piece of meat. I mean, you want that thing to be pumping a little bit still. You want the blood flowing. Just don't order the steak, right? Like that's my thing. It's like just don't put on this facade. You want it? You want it? I agree with you. And I, people will argue like medium is fine. In what world is medium fine? Medium is not fine. And if, if that's it, like, don't tell me you enjoy it. Just order the fish. Get the chicken. Save <laughs> get the salmon. Bucks. Just get the salmon. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some nice farmed salmon. Okay. Uh, oh, you can. Yeah. 
Ooh. So there was supposed to be okay. So Seth just broke some news in the chat to us. That's why we're making <laughs> these faces. Apparently, Jimmy Garoppolo failed his physical. There was supposed to be a press conference today, and I saw uh, yeah. Deshaun Reed of the Athletic was like, I reached out to a um, PR person about why it's not happening anymore, and didn't get a response back. I guess now we know. I, I don't know so, for sure. I'm. I just in the the ether spoke to me, so I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 you don't know. You're breaking news that isn't true. Or this is true. I I just I I was given this information and I just wanted to pass it okay. along to you guys. Okay. Okay. So would this be would this be not recovered from foot injury? That has to be what this is, right? Yes. So there, I mean, there's videos they're putting out of him dapping up teammates and and in the building mm-hmm. and saying how cool the facility is. But like I just said, the tweet from Tashawn Reed was. Jimmy Garoppolo has not officially signed. They agreed to terms Monday, but the transaction is not complete. Um, and then Jeff Howe, the Alti of the Athletic, regarding Jimmy Garoppolo's postponed news conference, source with knowledge said the situation is all good. Doesn't sign there's any issue with finalizing the deal, just a postponement. But, you know, it, that would be an interesting potential thing as you fail a physical. I would imagine you circle back and see if you can pass one later, but it and that's interesting but wouldn't you like if this is not this is not like me uh you know getting going to the army as like a like a low level person right and i fail physical and they're like no you got to go home this is like like you know like you know who jimmy garoppolo is right you know the injury yeah. so i find that would be interesting if this was true that, that they were like actually you forgot oh did you you didn't finish that, that was Brock Purdy in there. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the other guy. Usually, the case is it would be something else that's not like you said. Like they know you have an issue with this specific injury. Yeah. Generally, it would be like for example, Larry Ogunjobi was the big one last year with the Bears. Agrees to a big contract, and his was like yeah, I think he had a list Frank issue that they did not know about, or they I don't know because he had a hmm. foot injury in Cincinnati. So I don't know. Maybe it just it looked worse than they thought it was going to. I don't know. It's a good. It's a fair question. Um, I don't know. I guess they're no longer my uh, free agency losers anymore. So we got to redo the yeah, whole Maybe pod. the Raiders, maybe maybe uh, he just didn't make it out of, out of Sapphire in time. <laughs> I've known I've known that to cause failed physicals in the past. He's going to fail uh, a lot of Monday morning physicals with a hangover. I, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's transition nicely into getting out of here on uh, Brad has promised to redeem me uh for the uh the arizona wildcats bowing out here so we have some games starting oral roberts duke uh is starting very shortly here um brad ncaa tourney we got yep game right after oral roberts which i think just tipped off is boise state northwestern i like boise state plus two uh northwestern sneaks their way into the big dance but the down year for the Big Ten, just, you know, they had Purdue, who's a wagon, obviously a one seed, but Michigan was meh. Ohio State, I don't think as good as, as their record indicates. Um, Penn State, I don't like. I actually also like Texas A&M. Uh, I, I gave mm-hmm. that out I think last week. I gave out Texas A&M before we even knew the yeah. spread. They're minus two and a half. So two plays for you there. Two small spreads. I like Boise State plus two, and I like Texas A&M uh, at, at 10 p.m. minus two and a half. 10 p.m., baby. God, Pacific time is so wonderful. Seth, you got those? Wrote them down? Uh, I, I've already bet them. Good. It's happening. Uh, Seth, we always appreciate you. At PFF underscore Seth, at PFF underscore Brad. Follow them. Don't follow me. Follow them. They're great. Oh, and join the PFF Printing Press Discord to make sure that you get the most up-to-date news on uh, anything that's happening and bets that are available. We will be back. Arjun will be with us on Sunday. Enjoy the tourney. Try not to pick any losers. Love y'all. Peace.